Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. It's good to have you all here. If you have a Bible, take it to turn to the book of Second Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Perilous times is the theme we've been discussing here the last number of weeks. I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 5 once again, focusing on one phrase. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, hot, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Perilous times. When will this be? In the last days. When are the last days? Well, they began in Paul's day. They're the days preceding the rapture. And it looks, looks like scriptures indicate that the closer we get to the rapture, the more intensified these types of behaviors are going to become. At least in my lifetime, I have never seen the intensity as great as it is today. Now, I've told you this before, but I remember back in leading up to 1980, preachers preaching that Jesus Christ was going to return in 1980, and they could prove it from the scriptures. It didn't happen, so they changed and said, well, it must be 1981. It didn't happen. And every few years, they would take out some numbers and put them together and and, and, and square those numbers and divide them by four, and all of a sudden you got the Lord's returning in. Well, he hasn't returned yet. And he's not telling anybody when he's going to return. But he has given us some indications. And I believe that we are seeing those indications today. Now, does that mean the Lord of necessity has to return the next few days? No. Because the Lord's timetable is so uniquely different than ours. But I do believe that believers ought to be taking account of what's going on and perk up their ears and realize it could happen at any moment. And those things that Paul described that are going to intensify are things like the covetousness of men, the boasting, the pride, the blasphemy, the disobedience to parents, being unthankful and unholy, and oh, we're seeing that. That's just in the culture. It's, it's being ingrained in the culture. But what we're going to talk about tonight is that little phrase, without natural affection. Now, the phrase basically is the negative of to cherish affectionately. So it's the opposite of cherishing affectionately. Literally, it's hard-hearted or being hard-hearted toward your kindred. Being hard-hearted towards your kindred. 
This particular original word is only found twice in the New Testament. Here, translated without natural affection, and in Romans 1.31. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So it's only used twice in the New Testament. So tonight we're going to talk about this, this uh, indication of the end times without natural affection. Let's ask God to help us tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for your love, and thank you for giving us these insights, these, uh, these indications of what we should look for in society that are going to be flashing lights as to your return. And Lord, a believer would have to be blind, their head buried in the sand, not to see the evidence. So tonight, Lord, would you give us more instruction and lead us. Spirit of God, give me the words to say. And Lord, give us the hearts to accept. And we'll give you the praise for it, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've noticed there has been a complete breakdown of all of God's ordered systems of late. For instance, the attacks on our police. In Romans 13, 1, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that are, be are ordained of God. Who would have thought that our police department all of a sudden be the enemy? And some cities defunding them. Said, we don't need you. We've got so much crime already. We don't need you. Is there a fallacy somewhere in their thinking? Masculinity has been attacked. It's almost become a crime to be masculine and male. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. It says, quit you like men. Be strong. Take a stand as a man. Don't be wishy-washy. Be willing to stand up. There have been attacks on proper discipline. In Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son. He that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. There are attacks on the roles of husbands and wives in the family. In Titus 2, 4 and 5, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Oh, pastor, you're giving us all those old-fashioned teachings. We live in 2023. Yeah, we live in the last days. We live in the days just prior to the rapture when the world is going to be turned upside down in its rejection of godly principles. We see here a, a biblical mandate for family care. Families need to love each other. Children should honor their parents. Ephesians 6.1, one of my favorite verses to teach my children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. I can still hear my little toddlers, toddlers, little toddlers saying it back to me. 
kill them, obey your parents, <laughs> obey your parents. <laughs> At the time, they had no idea what it meant. Didn't matter. They were going to learn to obey. <laughs> learn this verse. <laughs> Children should honor their parents. And by the way, did you notice there's no age cut off here? Notice that. Mothers should love their children. Titus 2.4, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Why would God have to teach women to love their children? Mothers love their children. Why would God do it? It's automatic, right? Mothers love their children. It's automatic, right? Not in the last days. Because all of God's ordered systems are being turned upside down in the last days. So we have to be taught to do that which is right. Fathers, love your children. Malachi 4, 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I realize there's an overarching primary interpretation of that verse, but we can certainly take a principle from this. Families should love one another. Families should take care of each other. 1 Timothy 5, 8, But if any provide not for his own, and specifically for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. It's interesting. The Bible gives a couple of specific indications here, examples here. First is in 1 Timothy 5, 4. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for God. In other words, children should take care of their widowed mother. We see in the Old Testament that Joseph provided for his family when they were in need. Genesis 45.10, Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for there are yet five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. So Joseph decided just to take care of his family. We're to love family, we're to take care of family. Of late, there have been horrible attacks on the home. Horrible. One such attack is in the area of abortion. The results? The results, society today has devalued life. Life's no longer that important. Abortion is decimating our population. You see, God said to be fruitful and multiply. Today's mantra is limit your family. China for years, only one child. What God say? Be fruitful, multiply. What man say? No, God. We know better than you do. Abortion feeds our carnal selfishness. We just don't want to be bothered with children right now. It's just not fitting. It's not convenient for us, society says. Here's the sad thing. Abortion has a historical grounding where offering children as sacrifices to their gods. Leviticus 18.21 says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. In Deuteronomy 12, 31, 
Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. Ezekiel 23, 39, For when they had slain their children to their idols, then they came the same day into my sanctuary to profane it. And lo, thus have they done in the midst of mine house. And at first glance, we who are so civilized today just assume that this is spiritualizing. Surely they didn't really burn their children. Well, surely they did. They would mold these idols out of metal. Molech, for instance. Outstretched arms. And they would build a fire. A fire that would create that metal image that would glow red hot. And they would start their little incantations little chants. They get louder and louder and more and more frenzied until finally those wanting to appease their gods would take their children and cast them into the arms of Molech. Now, it was too noisy for them to hear the screams of their children as they incinerated them. And we stand back in a, just aghast that they would be so cruel to do that. How could they be so foolish? What are they thinking? As we in our civilized country have doctors that pull babies apart in the womb. Abortion. Modern psychology. There have been such extremes in teaching on child psychology. I read an article, oh, let's see, when was it dated? I'm not sure, but uh, the article says this, child-rearing experts in the early 1900s promoted conformity and detachment in raising children. In 1928, John B. Watson, one of the founders of behaviorist psychology, argued that children should be treated as adults. Mothers should habituate their children to strict schedules let them cry themselves to sleep and avoid too much love and attention. In his 1930 book, Behaviorism, he wrote, Never, never hug and kiss them. Never let them sit in your lap. If you must, kiss them once on the forehead when they say good night. Shake hands with them in the morning. We went from that psychology to good old Dr. Spock, who in the 60s came out and wrote, Physical punishment certainly plays a role in our acceptance of violence. If we are ever to turn a kindlier society and safer world, a revulsion against the physical punishment of children would be a good place to start. And old Dr. Spock's philosophies led to the sexual revolution and hippie movement of the 1960s. So child psychology went from never love your children to pretend like you love them by never disciplining them. We're seeing today a disturbing resurgence of Marxism. From an article in Simply, uh, Simply Sociology, Marxists believe that the family is a tool of capitalism and its main function is to maintain capitalism and reinforce social inequalities. According to Marxism, 
the monogamous nuclear family emerged with capitalism. Before capitalism, traditional and tribal societies were classless and did not have private property. Ultimately, however, this arrangement served to reproduce inequality. As the children of the rich grew into wealth, the children of the poor remained. Thus, the nuclear family served to benefit the bourgeois more than the proletariat. In other words, mom and dad and children are the enemy. That's the problem with society, they're saying. It's these nuclear families, the mom and dad and children, where they all stay together under one roof. That's the problem with society. Marxism. Feminism is anti-family. Again, from simply sociology, feminists are critical of the family as a social institution. They believe that the family is a tool of female oppression, and in particular, the nuclear family serves the needs of men rather than women. This is through issues such as, any, or such as unequal division of domestic labor and domestic violence. Feminists often believe that the nuclear family teaches children gender roles, which translate to gender roles in wider society. For instance, girls may learn to accept that being a housewife is the only possible or acceptable role for women. Some feminists also believe that the division of labor is unequal in nuclear families, with women and girls accepting subservient roles in the household. Feminism. We see a final breakdown of the home in the end times. In Luke 1.17 it says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And of course, similarly in Matthew 4.6, He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. What's described here is the father-child relationship broke down. Broken down. Though the primary application of these passages, passages seems to be Jewish fathers, the, the patriarchs of Israel, turning their hearts back to their own people, or maybe Gentiles, because of their preaching of John the Baptist, this also describes the need in our society today, fathers to once again involve themselves in the lives of their children. Dads, your kids need you. Dads, your kids need you. Of course they need mom. Of course they do. But for so long, men have relegated child work to the moms. Dad can be gone all day and all night and come home and hit the kid in the head and say, good night, love you, and think that everything's okay. And we wonder why we're losing a generation. In the end times, there'll be families actually turning on one another. And not just here and there, but a mass revolt. In Matthew 10, 21, the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, the father the child. The children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Luke 12, 53, the father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. In other words, a total breakdown of the family. It's going to be awful. Brothers turning in brothers. Sons turning in mothers and fathers. 
just a complete breakdown in the family. Now, in this discussion of without natural affection, we have to take in consideration that it does, I believe, also address, though this is not the, the main uh, emphasis of my message, it does address, I believe, a breakdown in societal relationships. And we're seeing that much more today in things like homosexuality, beyond natural relationships. In Romans 1, 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Here, we talk about a couple perverted substitutes, vile affections here. In Colossians 3, 5, it talks about inordinate affection. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. <clears throat> you know, and you've heard about it, I trust. Schools, today, public schools are feverishly trying to indoctrinate youth with godless philosophy. Now, it's been a lot of years since I've been in school. I graduated on Denver and Silver State in 1976. 76. Now, that's not 1876. It's 1976. But for some of you, it might as well be that long ago. That's a long time ago. Uh, in 1976, the public schools were rife with godless philosophies back then. What was in the school then is child's play to what's being promoted in the schools today. They at least at that time tried to cover up what they were teaching. For instance, most schools, including elementary, now teach things like critical race theory, gender reassignment options, along with graphic sex education, often with instructions to don't tell mom and dad. Our country is rapidly being brainwashed into thinking that perversions like homosexuality is an accepted and even normal lifestyle. Hollywood has aggressively promoted the gay lifestyle, trying to convince us that everyone's doing it. The result of the mass campaign is large numbers of unsatisfied people experimenting with all kinds of perversions. In the end times, It'll be a time without natural affection. <clears throat> I found it interesting. I was talking to somebody recently, <clears throat> and they've got a close friend who is high up in a banking system, not in this state. And they've been friends since they were in high school, and this person came out of high school as being a homosexual. Got involved, actually, in, 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 in campaigns where they'd be marching for gay rights and different things person was talking to this individual in the banking system. He's talking about how disgusted this homosexual was with where things are going in society and how they're organizing bands of homosexuals that are very conservative in their political beliefs, that are trying to do away with what some of the other wicked, wicked perversions are doing. I'm thinking something, 
You see, when you remove the scriptures, every man can do that which is right in his own eyes. My way is justified. Now, I can judge you, but don't judge me. What's the solution? In these end days, these last days, last days with all these horrible things going on, including, including without natural affection, families falling apart, breaking apart, being torn to shreds, philosophies being, being spouted out there that are so anti-family. What's the solution? The problem is God has been removed from our lives and families. That's ultimately it. The answer is getting back to God in our lives and families. How? Three things, and I'm done. Number one, humble yourselves before the Lord. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. We must humble ourselves before God. And if there ever were a day where Christianity has become proud, it's today. We're proud. We're a proud people. God says, I hate pride. Oh, God, I need you. I need you. Why won't you hear me? Is it possible because God cannot break through that steel barrier of pride? Even this morning, I beg God to not let me get proud. It's so deadly. Second solution is to seek the Lord. Deuteronomy 4, beginning of verse 29, But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, catch, even in now, latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swear unto them. Seek the Lord. And thirdly, <clears throat> submit to the Lord and his plans. James 4, beginning in verse 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. What's the solution? What we see in society that is permeating Christianity and Christian families. We need to humble ourselves, we need to seek the Lord, and we need to submit to Him and His plans. I shudder when I think of the numbers of families that have been destroyed by the devil, destroyed. Husbands, wives broken apart, 
siblings not talking to each other, uncles and aunts, just a horrible, horrible mess, angry, suing each other, all sorts of horrible things going on. It's not right. It's not right. It's not reflective of God and the life that God wants us to live. But what we, what you and I need to understand is that what it is, is an indication that the time is short. And that we need to do all we can in the amount of time, not to be like these things, but to focus our complete attention on God and allow Him to shine through us that we might be a testimony to those around us. We're going to be different. If, if it's true, we're going to be different. We're going to stand out. We're going to be peculiar. They're going to call us strange, different. They're not going to trust us. They're going to cause sometimes us, they're going to say, you're the problem. Christianity in society is evil. It's just like Nero did. I think it's coming. So what's the solution for you and me? Keep your hearts right with the Lord. And love one another feverishly. Love within your physical family. Love within your church family. Love one another. I want, to, I want Hope Baptist Church to continue to be characterized as a loving church family. We had a guest this morning, some of you might have met her, first time here and uh, she sat back there about where Willie's seated tonight I chatted with her just for a few minutes and she said I came over here just to find out if there's a church in Loveland that's friendly been going to church for two years nobody said a word went by and gave her one of these cards the guest cards said would you mind would you mind filling this out I like getting these and get your email. I'll shoot you an email tomorrow and just say, she said, nobody's ever given me a guest card before. And I said, I hope our folks have been friendly to her. She said, already there's been a line of people talking to me. Keep that up, by the way. If there is a place in Loveland that needs to be characterized as loving, may it be here. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love and how you demonstrate your love to us on a regular basis. Lord, I'm so grateful that you give us this, these warnings as to what to watch for. And Lord, it grieves me when I see these horrible things creeping into the lives and families of Christians. But Lord, help us to stay wary. Help us to keep our eyes and focus on you. Help us to stay humble before you, to seek your face to submit our lives to your plan and your will. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to love one another in a great way. And may indeed this church be known far and wide as a church that loves. We need you for this, Lord. We desperately need you. And we thank you for what you're going to do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.